Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jehu. Back from vacation. Well, Joseph took a vacation. I, I, I worked. I assume Hurt worked. I worked as well. Uh, here to a couple weeks late, but to talk about the season finale of Loki, really the whole season. We didn't talk about it at all. We did not. This is about the variant of Loki that escaped during Avengers Endgame to quickly be arrested by the Time Variance Authority as they pursue a chaotic force throughout the timeline. Um, who's in this? Owen Wilson. Tom Hiddleston's back. Yep. That chick from Beauty and the Beast. Sophia Martino, oh, yeah. something like that. Is that yep, right? that's one. But I was thinking of uh, Ra, I think is her last name. Mm. Gugu Mumbatha Ra. Yep. And then surprise guy at the end. But what were our general impressions, guys? Uh, man, you know, I loved this one. This one was easily my favorite of the TV shows so far. I think it probably owes a lot to Doctor Who. But, uh, you know, until recently, I would have... Uh, been a hater of doctor who so uh it was all new to me and i had a real good time with it i would also say it was probably my favorite one of the of the new shows so far uh i i i've said several times i think on this podcast that this i thought the show and i still think the show was carried on the charisma of uh tom hiddleston and owen wilson and that's fine i'm okay with that yeah uh I think they really shine in this show in, in a, I think we've talked in some of the other Marvel shows about the difference between movie and TV actors. And both these guys feel like movie stars and it's very fun to watch them. The atmosphere is really great. The music is fucking incredible. It's a, it's just a pretty rollicking good time. I, I had some reservations about the, the, the conclusion here, but uh, in general, I think this is still my favorite one of, of the ones we've watched. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you, fellas. Uh, It's my favorite of the three. The aesthetic I was all in on. I love the look of this show. It looked expensive. (laughs) Um, But it it just like I've said before, and I'll talk more about later, but like retro versions of the future are my favorite. Are, are my dream aesthetic like that's just <laughs> that's the shit i like Tomorrowland. i was about to say well, well christian you and i have talked about this before you talked recently uh i think about how you feel like that like Tomorrowland might need an update uh kind of this you know retro vision of the future yeah what if they just made it this <laughs> yeah fuck yeah i'm in do that it was it's 100 like there's a scene in the first or second episode where Mobius is walking Loki around the TVA mm. and they look out and you can see what the world is. And it's so much like Ralph McQuarrie drawings of the Death Star and like right. Walt's original dream of Tomorrowland aesthetic. And I freaking love it. The, the music is great. This is legitimately one with like a killer score. Uh, I think the acting's good. My complaint, I think the middle is kind of a drag. Sure. Um, like episodes three and four and five, kind of. But the ending of five, the last like 20 minutes and then all of episodes. I mean, I was just all in on on the end, the opening and ending of this show. Mm. Really liked it better than Transformers. I was going to say, you said the middle sag. I think that sort of ties into what Joseph said. The middle is where we had... Uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson the most separated and that was yep. the most 
boring part to watch. But uh, overall, I think it was good. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that the, I mentioned, and you mentioned that the music is really good, but I just like in my heart, I don't even give a fuck about the Emmys. I've never watched the Emmys. I don't know anything about like what the categories are, but I know already I'm going to be mad that like some bullshit stars show or even worse, like network television is going to get an Emmy for, for music when this shit like should win all of them for the next three years. Cause it's the best <laughs> fucking music on a show I've heard. I don't know in a long, long time in yeah, recent memory. Totally yeah, I, agree. Totally agree. I, I, and, and what's funny, it made me realize is not only it's not that the music and the other two shows has been bad. I just haven't noticed it at right. all, which is, is a bad thing. But mm. there were moments in this where I was like, this score is killer. Like is, it is killer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big fan of, it. and I mean, like, I, you know, I, I think uh, we're stealing from uh, our parent podcast here of the weekly planet. Their, their general, uh, opinion is that a score is just there like if you don't notice it it's a good score and i think that's a lot of the marvel things if like the the vibe feels right it's probably doing its job but then there's like you can still have a noticeable score that's like adding to whatever's on screen as opposed to just going along with it i guess and i feel like that's what happened here yeah how did you guys feel about uh the new additions like uh i, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point but lady loki mobius do you think like how do you feel like they enhanced this story? Oh, I mean, Mobius enhanced so much, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, and again, that was floated mostly by how charming Owen Wilson is in this. Uh, Lady Loki took a little warm up to honestly, I think it took her taking off her helmet. Her hair looked really bad in that helmet. It was just I know that's a bitchy comment but it was really distracting it's like it's like it's like man they've got to do something about this lady's hair so i can stop focusing on this lady's hair i feel like the owen wilson and owen wilson's character mobius is just like the perfect foil for what loki has always been in this where Mm -hmm. i feel like the only way to to really engage with him like i feel like everyone's trying to like prove that they're smarter than him or they're better than him. And Bowie was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Whatever you say is fine. Just like, uh, I'll, I'll catch your egos. Just come along with me. Uh, right. and, and like, that's his way of, of like pulling him back down, you know, kind of, kind of reducing him by just like letting him have it. And I love that. I think that's just such a fun dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's kind of my issue with the middle part of the show is Mobius is the best foil for Loki we've had yet. Right. Like, and when they introduce Lady Loki and then they kind of go on their own little mini adventure, just the two of them, it, it's not that that's bad. It's just not as we just got the perfect foil for right. Loki. It, I, I totally agree. I don't know why are we, are we calling her Lady Loki. Or we're just going to call her Sylvie. We can call her Sylvie. <laughs> OK, I just I, I think Lady Loki's more fun, but because. Yeah, I agree, because that episode where they're trapped in the uh, in the apocalypse event there. That was a pretty solid looking, pretty solid story. It just wasn't interesting to me because Owen Wilson wasn't there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Joseph. You started to say something. Uh, no, I, I, I think uh, I think some people feel like that she was not good and that their chemistry was not good. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I just don't think it was as good as, as <laughs> the, the uh, chemistry and the dynamic between uh, Loki and, and Mobius. And I think yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about. Like you were still having fun, but you're having more fun when Owen Wilson was there. Yeah. 
I mean, I want to say spoilers from here. Yeah, on no, out for sure. I think I think all spoilers from here on. I think if you will, if you haven't watched the show and you listen to this podcast, that's fucking wild to me. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, if you have it and you you generally trust our opinions, this is the best. I, th- I think we can all agree this is the best Marvel show they've put out since they started. Yeah, well, even with Black Widow coming out, this is the best Marvel thing so far this That's, year. Oh, fuck right. yes. <laughs> uh, the reason why I wanted to say spoilers is because what I think shifts is the dynamic of Sylvie just being a foil to Loki to it being a love interest with Loki is better to me. And then bringing Mobius back in. And so now Mobius is the foil still like he's this counter thing and they may be friends, but he's the counter to who Loki is naturally. And then Sylvie now being instead of a competitor, this love interest, I think is better. But that that space episode, the episode where they're in the destruction of that planet, I feel like I should enjoy it more. It looks great. It's kind of got a weird train heist moment. Mm. Uh, it's got that big fight scene at the end. But when they're when they're acting as foils to one another, it's just not as good as when they're on the same team. Uh, yeah. And so when they make the shift and make it to be more of a love interest, I think that relationship works better that way. When we finally get to that point, it just is kind of a I don't, I don't want to say like a slog to get there, but those two episodes before there really is that romantic connection just don't work as well. And uh, unlike the last two, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Totally. And I mean, I, I think we haven't talked about this really, we, but I think the majority of us, at least I did, had a specific expectation about what I thought the show was going to be, uh, which I thought it was going to, you know, we, we had speculated this was going to be, uh, Marvel's version of Doctor Who and I expected the format to be a lot more like Monster of the Week uh, but you know in a in a, a wacky sci-fi setting uh, whereas it was much more like serialized and like you know one specific plot from beginning to end mm-hmm. uh, that I was kind of not expecting and I there's a part of me that feels like I you know my expectations of that might have hampered my enjoyment of you know kind of like those two episodes on the planet because it did it looked good you know they had like a good mix of of downtime and action scenes and all that kind of stuff uh but like now that we've established that there's this whole you know there's this tva you can travel to any moment in time and there's all these apocalypses there like there's just so much space to explore there and there's a part of me that as we were getting into episode like three four and five i was like oh i feel like we're hitting a very narrow part of of the world we've we've hinted at here I, I definitely I wish there would have been a few more episodes of this, which is almost something I never say. I always think less is more with shit, but I think I wish there would have been a few more that just treated it sort of like a procedural. Just, you know, we you go to a place in time, you have to fix that thing in time because, you know, again, I could have just watched these characters do more things. Hmm. Yeah, I think two of the best moments in the show early on, one's the D.B. Cooper bit. And I get that's not a TVA bit, but it easily could have been. But that yeah, was right. fucking great. I really uh, hate that bit, actually. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I, I loved, loved it, too. It. I, I uh, loved it, and I love that it was a bet by Thor. That made right. it even better to me. Yeah. I just I just wish it had tied into, like, a narrative part of the episode of, like, they were fixing something in time, but instead it was just like, hey, remember this really cool part from the trailer? Oh, yeah, it's just another random flashback. I, I, I do you. think I do think it could have worked just as well and maybe better if it had been relevant to the plot, which it easily could have been. Right. Um, but the other part is the Pompeii bit uh, mm. that that is a very Doctor Who moment. Yeah. Um, right. 
that's pr- arguably the most Doctor Who moment in the show. And I do think we probably could have had a couple of more moments like that. For sure. That- I, I think they absolutely could have dragged out the the chasing her through time and like picking up clues as to how she's uh, you know, escaping and then fixing any specific time related events wherever they end up, you know, chasing after. Uh, I definitely think they could have gotten more meat out of that. If any, and if anyone questions, I, I, I don't think this show is as Doctor Who as maybe we thought it was going to be in the beginning. Right. But if anyone questions the influence, there's no reason to use a theremin in the beginning of this show <laughs> right. if you're not trying to make the callback to Doctor Who. I mean, one hundred percent. The the theme music is very much we want you to think of Doctor Who. Yeah. So I guess that unless you have anything more specific, I really want to get into the big reveal at the end because that's sure. I I'm most curious in Joseph's opinion about this because her well, and I texted about it. But I, I'm I'm more curious about y'all's knowledge about this because I, I have you know I have the opinion about like how narratively I guess it, it played out, but I don't have a lot of feelings about who it was or what they were doing. Cause I don't really know anything about them. So I was hoping somebody could fill me in <laughs> right on. Uh, Kurt, that's well, you, I mean, uh, yeah, you under, you understood that it was the, that that was supposed to be Kang, the conqueror, the Avengers villain, right. Or well, a version of it's, it. it's funny. You say that because they don't say that shit in the episode. I did. They though, don't. Just, that's just true. from you guys and, and Twitter in general, but yeah, the, the, the big, the big bad guy at the end, the I guess the man at the end of time is a, a version of Kang the Conqueror who just is an unnamed guy in purple, played by Jonathan Majors. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Kang in comics is, uh, is, you know, kind of the closest thing the Avengers has to their own sort of Doctor Doom, Magneto, like recurring. It's either him or Ultron of their most recurring, like, big bad threat. And... Uh, the, the fun thing with Kang is he's been multiple characters over time. I can think of like four different ones right off the top of my head right now. And I know there's more. Uh, the, in fact, in his first appearance, he isn't Kang. He's a different character. And in this one, it seemed like he was more the latest version or the, the, the last version of Kang I think we've met so far, which is Immortus, which is a sort of more mellowed out less conquery but maybe a little more crazy uh version of of Kang. yeah i i texted hurt right after and was like we would all call that immortus right and he was like yes uh <laughs> that that's definitely who i i want to say this too after wandavision everyone was so convinced that the kang teases were going to be red herrings right that, but there were so freaking many in this show that I think if they had done that, it would have just pissed everyone off. I, mean, if be you, fair, I think there are a lot of teases to other stuff in like WandaVision that they didn't pay off on that were, were just red herrings. I, that's kind of my point is WandaVision did it. And so people were so convinced that it's going to happen again, but gosh, that episode five, if it had led yes. to anything that wasn't Kang, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just I just feel like you would have really alienated the fan base in a way because with WandaVision with the whole Agatha all along bit, everything was there for it to just be Agatha. But people wanted more. Right. With this, there was almost no road that could lead anywhere else but Kang. And I really I'm just so happy that it had the payoff that I think we all wanted. Right. Uh, 
But also, to Marvel's credit, you introduce the next big bad of your franchise in a TV show on a subscription service that you can't guarantee people are going to (laughs) buy. But they are just betting that you can't quit this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I told Val, I don't think that they're going to. I suspect the movie continuity will explain itself uh, in the sense that I think it will be related to this, but I don't think that the TV show will be required watching. But I I, I don't know if you guys think the same thing. I suspect that there there will be an an in-universe, in-movie explanation if another version of Kang, another variant of Kang shows up. Uh, in the next Avengers. Oh yeah, I'm sure they will catch you up or maybe you won't even need this at all. But I definitely, before this, you know, talking about that episode five with all the pointing to Kang, I was talking to a friend of mine named Austin and he was like, I was like, who do you think it's going to be? And he was coming up with, you know, other things because he was like, I just don't really think they're they're going to have their big bad premiere on a TV show before he even shows up in his first movie. And really, in a way, they didn't. Right. You know, that, like, that's kind of the clever thing about it, I think, is they they really right. didn't. Uh, but right. I, I love that. You know, I think w- we'll see how they, they play it out in uh, in the movies. But I suspect to everyone else in the universe, whenever the, the Kang, the conqueror that I suspect we're going to run into, you know, appears, he's going to just like appear like Thanos just appeared, you know, just like these, these weird willful Titans of the universe uh, that Mm. make these big decisions. But I like the fact that if you, you know, you have, you watch the TV show and you watch the context that this was a choice that someone made that like, there didn't have to be a Kang, the conqueror necessarily. Mm. Right, uh, but but some of our characters, you know, that we we care about, made the choice to make this happen, and I like that. You know, I, I also I really enjoy the way this guy played him. What, what's his name yeah. again? I, I, Jonathan what, Majors. Jonathan Majors. Yeah, he fucking uh, kills it. He he almost is like, hey, nobody in this has just done like sort of a cackling '90s Batman villain <laughs> in this. Okay, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I thought I thought he was incredible. I mean, like just charismatic and i know it's super exposition heavy like people complained (laughs) that it was just a lot of people talking and i think that is the dumbest fucking complaint on the planet because if you have watched any marvel thing ever they all end the exact same way and finally we have something try something different for in a character that is appropriate Loki's Mm. gift is his gift of gab. He's a talker. He's a liar. He's trying to manipulate himself out of the situation. And we have, again, a perfect foil for that of a guy who's just going to he's not going to stop talking. There's never going to be a point where Loki can get a word in and he's going to talk so much that he's actually going to convince Loki that he's right. Like (laughs) it is such a perfect ending for that character and so drastically different than anything else Marvel has tried to do. Does it land everything? Probably not. But I ex- I was so excited that we just didn't get a 30-minute fight, especially after like WandaVision, where, we, where that fight doesn't even necessarily make sense and doesn't play into like tropes that we want it to. Right. That it's, it's just three people talking, and, and all three of them are pretty good. I would say two of them are legitimately great at what they're doing. Uh, I, I I really really enjoyed that bit. I, in general, man, if you didn't like the talky bits on this in this show, I I, I don't get you because that was <laughs> the best parts of this show. I, I loved listening to many of these people just talk. Yeah, you know, 
I could watch a version of this with no special effects. I, I did have this thought. Jonathan Major's performance in in this show is the closest, in my opinion, that we've gotten to like like a Willy Wonka. Mm. <laughs> probably probably in 40 or 50 years. I, I, mean, think like, yeah. I think that's a really fabulous comparison because I think that's very much like he's really handing the, the keys to the chocolate factory to the Lokis at the end of this and, and yeah. they can right. choose what to do with it. That's exactly yeah, that, how I the, viewed it. That that is that that's, that's a really good call. And and the other thing I really like about it is so like this this Kang who's not Kang, it, his personality, his his performance is informed by the fact that he's been the one guy who knows everything for you know an indeterminately infinite amount of time, seem you know nearly infinite amount of time, uh, and has kind of gone a little stir crazy. Uh, and I like that because once we get introduced to some, you know, whatever variant alternative of him that's supposed to be the conqueror version of him, it doesn't have to be like him at all because he's had a completely different life experience. So Jonathan right. Majors could come in and do something completely different and it's fine. I mean, that's why I do think that this will play a, a, a part in the main movies at some point because we've got to see this guy against the the like, you know, the mainline conqueror version of them. Like we've got to see them face off against each other. Uh, like that's just too fun not to do. Yeah. I mean, I, th and I think that's why they cast that dude in it. I think this guy has a ton of range. Um, I, I, I'm really, I was really excited when we found out this guy was going to be Kang, you know, an Ant-Man. Um, mm -hmm. I was just excited to see this guy cast in these movies. Cause I watched Lovecraft Country and The Five Bloods last year, and he was my favorite part of both of those things. And in both of them, you could tell, like, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, he's very talented. But you know, uh, we, we've talked about this for like 40 minutes, and we haven't in any part uh, brought up the three Lokis that he met in the other world, which is one of the best parts. Uh, particularly Richard E. Grant and his fabulous co yeah, costume. Yeah, I do, I do want to talk about this. In, in like the last month, where a bunch of B and C list celebrities have come out complaining about how bullshit superhero movies are, mm -hmm. uh, how they're not interesting, how they look stupid, how all this kind of stuff. Richard E. Grant, who has the experience and the credentials to absolutely be one of those people, was like, no, mm -hmm. fuck that. I want the dumbest costume possible, and I'm going to fucking crush it. And he does. He's yeah, so he's good. So, he's so good. I know everyone talks about Alligator Loki, and look, don't get me wrong, Alligator Loki's a blast. But Richard E. Grant is the standout of that episode. Yeah, he yeah. is 100%. so phenomenal with it. Yeah, that that uh, that guy is just a solid, solid actor, and he really seems to have fun with that. And uh, you know, I've read stuff since then that he would totally come back if they wanted him to do something else. And he really was just a fun, fun thing to watch in this show. Yeah. There's another universe where that guy played Loki and I'm sure it's just as good as Tom Hiddleston's. <laughs> and I'm glad we got a little tease of it in this one. 100%. Right. Uh, I, I, do want to, I do want to talk about kind of the next step, what comes next. But I, the, the one thing that I think bothered me in, in the last episode, the only thing that I would knock this show for uh, is I, I wanted the last episode is supposed to be kind of this like big conflict between the plot, which is, you know, we've finally gotten to the end of time and, uh, you know, found the guy who's responsible for, you know, pruning the universe, ruining Sylvie's life, all that kind of stuff. But we're really supposed to be invested in the conflict between 
uh, Loki and Sylvie and like their relationship. And he's trying to, to, you know, pull her to, to his side. And I, I know just from, from my perspective, that felt a little flat for me. I wanted it to, I, I don't know if I wasn't invested in their relationship enough or just like some way it, it happened. Like the, the, the bit where they're, they're fighting before Sylvie kicks Loki out and stabs uh, Kang was, I don't know. It just felt drawn out to me. I was like, I know what we're getting to. Let's just get to it. Uh, right. That I think that's the wrong emotion to have. It makes me feel like this, something happened wrong, either with me or with with the production that didn't invest me enough in that like personal relationship to want to see that play out. Uh, but that's that's like the biggest note that I can give this thing. I, I still think there's a lot of world to explore, and the good news is that we're going to get to explore it. I hope. Right yeah i mean you know i I don't think we've mentioned that part but this is this is the only one of these shows that ended definitively on you're getting more of this here's a cliffhanger where you know more is coming uh and i thought that was awesome i can't wait for more of this so let me ask you guys a question do you think that's loki's tva or do you think she sent it now that there's a multiverse there's an infinite number of tvas and loki just ended up in a random one Man, that's a good question. I can't decide whether it's it's that or he's just been somehow erased from the continuity so they right. don't know him. I think it probably is going to be a multiverse version of him just because that's where we're going. We're going for multiverses. Which, I mean, certainly uh, they, they, don't, they don't make a big deal about the mechanics of this world, which I am perfectly fine with. Uh, the the director of the show was one of the guys who was uh, pegged for uh, season what is it four or five, the current season of Rick and Morty, uh, but, right. but decided to do this instead. And I definitely see like you know they've got the both shows have a similar uh, vibe to them, and both of them do not spend a lot of time on the mechanics of the world. <laughs> it's superfluous to the story, you know. I, I meant to say that earlier in the in the in the thing that there is actually just as much Rick and Morty in this as there is Doctor Who. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, the yeah, I, I agree. I'm glad we don't get super bogged down in how the time travel works, what the time travel rules are, because I don't, you know, I don't care. Just tell me a fun story with it. Right. Exactly. Uh, so I'm interested to see. I mean, maybe do you guys think that next season will be a similar thing? Will it be an overarching plot of I don't know what the TVA's mission is anymore if it exists because it's not to keep a sacred timeline. So what are they trying to fix? Right, uh, right. But right. even even outside of that, do you guys think that there's going to be like a grander scheme, a grander thing that they have to accomplish, or do you think it will be more uh, monster of the week style? Oh, man, I. I really don't know. I kind of hope they go monster of the week, but I think they'll stick with an overarching, like, you know, six part movie basically. Yeah. I don't, it's really hard to say. Cause we're definitely not going to get that season until after Dr. Strange is out. And, <laughs> and we know, I, I think we heard Loki's supposed to be in that movie as right. well. Yeah. I don't, I just don't know. I, I don't, it's not like this character can take on whatever that's going to be. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hope I would love to see it go more, more monster of the week now. And it's just like, well, there's nothing I can do about it, but who knows? I think I've said this before on here, but I just, I still just am absolutely floored by the idea that Marvel, a con, you know, and their comics, the multiverse is barely even a thing. They don't even really care about it. 
and they got to multiverse before DV- DC movies did, <laughs> which that's their whole fucking thing. All DC comics care about is multiverse this, multiverse that. That's just great. That's some superb cock blocking. <laughs> so now that we have it, do you guys think that we're going to, I mean, we, I think we all threw an agreement that it's likely we're going to see at least one other, if not both other Spider-Men by the end of this year. But do you think that's going to affect how they incorporate maybe the mutants into the MCU? Are we going to, are we going to see, you know, Michael Fassbender come back? I mean, I mean, look, we've seen a lot of, a lot of, I think opportunities to introduce the mutants. And obviously this is one of them. Uh, right. But they've they have chosen not to at, at at least two major turns now. Uh, I you know I genuinely just don't know at this point. I don't know how long they're going to hold out for it. I think the one I agree with you. I think the one exception is Deadpool. I, I think the version of Deadpool that we're going to get in the MCU will be the exact same Deadpool we've always had. Mm. I I think you're probably right. I think I think the MCU will get its own mutants eventually, but they will keep the Fox version out there in the multiverse in case they ever want to use it. And the way they'll illustrate that is through Deadpool. You know, Deadpool will be the most self-aware person about the about the multiverse and no one will believe. There's a part of me that doesn't want Ryan Reynolds to keep getting work, but I do like those (laughs) movies. So, yeah. I like kind of don't like that. I like those movies, but I do like those movies. That's how I feel about him as a person. Like yeah, I don't no, like admitting similar. that I like him, but I do <laughs> like Ryan Reynolds. But <laughs> if if anything, I'm thankful for it's that in the last like two or years, we found out that Ryan Reynolds is like a marketing genius and just really like caps he capitalizes on whatever is going on in pop culture and makes the best commercials about it. <laughs> right. right. He has definitely learned from failure better than many, many Hollywood oh, people. Oh, agreed. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, Loki's great. People should watch it. It's better than Transformers. It is way better than Transformers. It's, it's, totally. still, it's still, I mean, we talked about it. It, it. I think on all fronts, there was more things to be explored. I, I think we all agree that it, we would be okay if this had been more episodes. We think there was more story just in this season to be explored. Uh, much less this this grander universe of all these different branching timelines. So I think uh, I think it's it's a great series, and I think it it opens a lot of great doors for the future. So that's Loki. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, what have we been watching this past week, guys? Yeah. So uh, I really only have three things to talk about. Um, I'm sure I watched more shit, but I don't remember. Uh, the first one was uh, Behind the Attraction on Disney Plus. This is very much just a commercial, both for the Jungle Cruise movie and for uh, Disney World. Uh, but you know what? I like I haven't seen the Jungle Cruise movie, but I like The Rock and Emily Blunt. And I obviously am a fan of Disney Parks. So fuck it. It was right up my alley. I liked it. Uh, it is about five famous Disney attractions that are located both at Disneyland and Disney World. Most of them are available at the other Disney parks as well, but it's Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion, Star Tours, Tower of Terror, and Space Mountain. And three of those are like three of my all-time favorite rides ever. I mean, Haunted Mansion, Tower of Terror, and Space Mountain are incredible rides. They were ahead of their time, and now the nostalgia part of it, just they should never be touched. But it's good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, it's the first episode is Jungle Cruise and it is nothing but a big commercial for that movie because <laughs> that ride kind of sucks. It's very dated, uh, but whatever. 
it's worth a watch better than transformers if you liked the imagineering story which debuted on disney plus last year it's kind of a quasi sequel in some ways to that so check it out uh the other thing that i watched that i'm excited to talk about is the new masters of the universe show on netflix uh this show fucking rocks um (laughs) the the internet is very mad about it because they make a very brave choice, I would argue, in the very first mm-hmm. episode. And then they fucking double down on it in the last <laughs> episode. I, I also watched this. Me and Christian have kind of already talked about this, but I, I, I will allot much of my time to talking about this as well. The doubling down is my favorite fucking part about this. It's great. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about this show without spoilers because it revolves around... A, the main the main plot point is a massive spoiler, and it pissed a lot of people off. But <laughs> I think it's I think it's fucking great. Um, this is the right way I think to retool reboot a franchise. Like it it's very much connected to the original, but it's a much different show. And while it's definitely darker than the original He Man and the Masters of the Universe show, it's not like inappropriate for children. I don't know. I I I, th- I thought it was legitimately great. I was all in on it. And the voice cast is unbelievable. The voice cast is so fucking good. Like, every single one of them is just great. You got Lena Headey as Evil Lynn. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand how you accomplish that greatness. It's it's good. I'm just I'm curious. I don't know. I don't think I ever got into, like, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the original cartoon. I don't know if any of you have seen it as an adult, but I'm sure it's not like fabulous. Like a lot of eighties cartoons, it was mostly a commercial and the, most of the work was done in our imaginations. Uh, I guess. Uh, but it's funny to me that of the, those properties, apparently, uh, I mean, if you guys really like this one and apparently the, the Netflix She-Ra also fucking kicks. So it's just weird to me that of all things that, that He-Man and He-Man properties uh, have have really flourished in the uh, the 2020s, 2010s, and such. I mean, it's definitely way better than Netflix's boring ass Transformer cartoons. Uh, you know th- what you just asked about about the Master Old Master of the Universe uh, cartoon uh, had me to a question I wanted to ask you guys, and it's sort of relevant to what we talk about a lot on this uh, podcast. What was the first thing, like the earliest age? where you watch something that you liked a part of, but thought I could do that better. Mm, that's legitimately tough. I, 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 I want to say, I think my answer is Pokemon. But right on. <laughs> so you, you, okay. Maybe that's what's wrong with us then. Maybe we all started this at too early of an age. Yeah. I, I don't know. It probably wasn't a problem. For, I, I know for me, like it was a long time before I was able to dissociate the story as Canon from like, the idea that somebody else had made this, like those stories were just things that happened, you know? Uh, right. So I, I can't even think of it because it was probably like close to my adult life. Yeah. See, for me, it was, I got these toys a long time before I saw the cartoons, like, you know, or a long time in kids time. It may have actually only been like six months or whatever, but I got a lot of these toys. So I already had a lore built up for them in my head. And when I saw this cartoon, man, it didn't cut it like the, the <laughs> old one. I just I was like, I could fucking do this better. I was thinking that at like, you know, like six or whenever I first encountered this shit. I specifically remember thinking Prince Adam and He-Man was stupid. 
And this is a, someone who has always been fully on board for Clark Kent and Superman. But how are you going to sell a secret identity where both the people ha- look exactly the same and both have a talking <laughs> giant green cat? Like that, I was never young enough to suspend my disbelief on that. But uh, so I've always thought these were really cool designed characters that just has never had a property that lived up to them until this 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 very much this is the first thing i saw uh, if, if any he-man property that i didn't think i could do that better this is this is very good very fun there is an aspect of it like the you know I, I was also talking about this with christian earlier i just i wish something could change or we could go back to talking about a quality of the sh- of a show without politics coming into it at all because mm-hmm. Because, like, I feel like, you know, everybody who's mad about this is a giant man baby, and I hope they fucking die on Christmas. However, there was math done when they were at the beginning of greenlining this series that was like, well, you know what? A bunch of man babies are really going to get pissed off about the decisions about this, and they're going to make a stink on the Internet, and we can cut our uh, our advertising budget by, like, a fourth ba- just based on that. I'm like, I'm sure that was part of the green lighting process on this. And I'm just, I'm just fucking sick of it. Just talk to me about whether you liked this show or not, and not whether or not it's supporting some fucking political narrative you don't like. Cause this was a great show. It's it, great animated. I'll also say this. Uh, you guys know that drinking has never really been a big part of my life. I didn't really start drinking till very late. I've probably only been drunk like three times in my life. But when I watched the first episode of this, uh, I accidentally got rip roaring drunk <laughs> and, and man, it was, a, that first episode was really a fucking blast. Cause it was just <laughs> colors and noises. And I just had the best fucking time. So, you know, my advice to some of these man babies, maybe just get really drunk before you watch this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hate the, just because something has a female lead, they're appealing to the SJWs argument. Like, <laughs> right. If, I do too. As if there's not an infinite amount of content with dude leads that also <laughs> appeals to SJW, you know, like, like you, that the sex of this person does not dictate the political opinion of this show. Cause there's right. nothing else about this show that, appeals greatly more to a liberal agenda than a conservative agenda. It's a bunch of buff people with swords beating the shit out of each other. That's all this show is. And it's fun. Uh, The only other thing I can think of that really pisses people off, the least favorite character of He-Man, which is Orko, is absolutely the hero of this show. But it's a great moment. I mean, it's it is. It's a great moment. But if you hated that character growing up and you're like, well, now they made him the most important character of the show, you're going to hate it. But that's stupid. Like they actually it, it's a plot point that he was hated and not good. And I don't know. People's response pisses me off. This is a good this is a high quality show. And if Netflix doesn't finish it because people keep bitching about it, I will go on a personal vendetta. <laughs> yes, I will become an Internet man, baby. One hundred percent. I will throw a fucking tantrum about that. Uh one other thing I wanted to, wanted to say about it is that I really like their relationship to the old show. It actually reminds me of one of Joseph's favorites, Bojack Horseman, the way Bojack's relationship is to his old sitcom. Mm-hmm. Like when, whenever you see a flashback to the old show, it's just like a completely different tone and completely different yep. kind of dialogue. And it's just, 
it's a real fun way to look at it instead of instead of a reboot where they try to say, hey, this has always been gritty and cool, being like, <laughs> oh, this you this was totally fucking ridiculous, and now it's cool. Yeah, agreed. The flashbacks really work in this show. Really, really mm-hmm. work. Uh, the last thing I watched that I'm sorry, it's going to take me another minute to get through this as well. But I watched Space Jam: A New Legacy. Oh Christ! Oh boy! <laughs> and it's awful. It's <laughs> so bad. It is so terrible. And there are so many people on the internet who are like, well, you can't critique it. It's a kid show. That opinion is worse than this fucking movie. And this is a top five worst movie I've ever seen. Like it <laughs> is so bad. And what makes it bad? This is the Joseph. You said a few weeks ago about how you think the original space jam was, is not good. It's just nostalgia. And I agree with that to a point, but there's one key difference about that movie which is both of those the book that movie and this movie are a commercial but that movie that commercial was michael jordan made one of the worst decisions in sports history (laughs) which is that he thought he could be a two-sport athlete and he couldn't he didn't cut it greatest basketball player of all time terrible baseball player and he needed to be rebranded and at that time Warner Brothers was trying to bring the Looney Tunes back. They had this partnership with like Six Flags. The Looney Tunes were going to be in the parks. They just, it was this IP that they were just sitting on. They weren't using. They thought, well, this guy's rebranding. We'll rebrand the Looney Tunes. And it, it, it works because no one is taken as a joke. Specifically, the Looney Tunes aren't taken as a joke. Michael Jordan, kind of, there's some jokes about him not being a good baseball player, and he takes a little bit of a ribbing. But the main point of that movie is that he's the greatest basketball player of all time. And he looks cool dunking a basketball next to Bugs Bunny. Really, the people who get riffed on in that movie are the villains. Mm. They're tiny, they're pipsqueaks, they, they don't have any talent or any capability. They have to steal their own. They're the butt of all the jokes. That's why that movie works. And that's the key difference with Space Jam A New Legacy. The Looney Tunes are absolutely the butt of the jokes in this movie. They are a forgotten IP. You are not meant to take them seriously. And what's really unfortunate is it's Warner Brothers just admitting we don't care about these people anymore. Look, Pennywise is in the background. Hey, there's Drogon flying over the basketball court. It's a fucking agent. Like, and okay, yes, you have access to all these properties, but none of these properties are for children. If they recognize these things, that is a huge failure on parenting (laughs) or the fact that technology has allowed kids access to this stuff. Like, it's fine to to make a movie that's a commercial. I, I, I don't hate that. Like, things can just be fun and not have a real purpose. Again, Space Jam 1 is a commercial. It's a commercial for Michael Jordan. LeBron doesn't need a commercial. He's already the greatest basketball player in the world right now. At worst, he's a top five basketball player all time. He won the NBA championship last season or two seasons ago. Now that this NBA season's over, he doesn't need to be rebranded and you make no attempt at rebranding the Looney Tunes or making it an IP you care about. What you're telling me I should care about is when you go to DC world or when you go to game of Thrones world, or you go to matrix world and like, only two of those are for children and one of them, the way you make those movies is not for children, even (laughs) though it should be. So it's so off base on what space jam should be on what that kind of brand machine should be. It's legitimately fucking awful. It's terrible. I don't know how Don Cheadle ended up in that movie. 
And it's disappointing with LeBron, too, because he had been in some movie with Amy Schumer. I'm drawing a blank on which one. And he's legitimately funny. Like, he is pretty good. And he's terrible in this. Uh, I don't know. It's it is awful. Worse than Transformers. Top 10. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. You know, I, I, I didn't see this, but I mean, just looking at it from the outside, it looks like, yeah, the old one probably is just fondly remembered because of nostalgia. But it seems like this starts from that. Mm. It starts from like, well, people will like this because of nostalgia. We'll just throw a bunch of shit at them. They recognize it and they'll think that's a good movie experience. Yeah, I I am for a movie just being fun for the sake of fun. I think that is a reason to do something. This is not fun. It's not fun. It's it is literally shit just thrown at me. That's that's what it is. You're dead on. And it it just it pissed me off. I hate watch the fuck out of it. (laughs) But that's it. Well, uh, I have been watching some things specifically around the phonies around you guys. So I have watched season one of BoJack Horseman and season one of Doctor Who. However, since I talked so much about about Masters of the Universe this week, I kind of want to get another season of each before under my belt and before I talk about them. But I did want to ask you about my third thing I'm trying to get into for you guys. Uh, (laughs) As far as critical role. Would I be better off just skipping that first episode? Because I'm having a real hard time getting, like, connecting to it. So I would almost tell you to just stop with this and start <laughs> when the real show starts. <laughs> really? All right. Okay, I, so I'm go sticking ahead, go ahead. with it, but it, it takes me days to get through it right now. Like, it, it's, it's not great. Yeah, it's, it's rough. I've watched one and a I half think. episodes and I haven't seen a single thing since it. Okay. Th- then I just thought it was something I wasn't connecting with or something. So that's actually good to hear because my next, I've been listening to an audio version of it. I was like, maybe I should watch the video version. Maybe it'll be something I'll care about more then. But I just, every time I start listening to it, I just start drifting off and thinking, I, mean, I sure do think squirrels are stupid or just whatever is not that. Like I'm thinking of. So, so I, okay, I'm just going to wait till the next one starts. So next week I'll talk about Dr. Who and, uh, and Bojack horse. I mean, to be fair, hurt. I mean, that's how I got started on in the first place is I wanted a passive listen while I was at work. Uh, and so because the mechanics of D and D are generally pretty slow, uh, you Mm -hmm. can tune out for a little bit and then pop back in and still like get the vibe of what's going on. And then, you know, for me, I, I listened to it as a time passer. And then I got more and more invested in the story to the point where I started watching the episodes. So like, I don't think that your starting off point, like, you know, listening to it and getting distracted is off base. I think it's okay to not like that's that works for me. That's still kind of how I do it. I still do it while I'm often, you know, like folding laundry and doing other stuff. Uh, I, yeah, but, I really don't think I'm articulating it well though. Cause I've started it every day for like two weeks yeah and just have completely (laughs) lost where i was in the first five minutes and just been like man fuck it let's listen to some music (laughs) yeah i don't blame you for that that's kind of been my experience so far (laughs) that's all i got all right i have i have two follow-ups to uh christian's he-man rant one apparently since since we're talking about rebooting old older properties into netflix cartoons apparently the godzilla anime fucking rips uh i've i've at least heard from several sources on the on the internet who like things that i like i will be trying that probably this week but just so you guys know 
I right. started it. I watched the first two episodes and it was good. I just have not sat back down and watched any more of it. Yeah. Uh, and and to to Hertz's point about uh, I don't care about the you know like your political opinions about a show or what kind of agenda it's pushing you know that shit doesn't matter. I will give you the the opposite side of that coin that I was thinking about because I was on vacation. We went to D.C. and we went to several of the Smithsonian's. Uh, and after we got done at the uh, the Smithsonian for uh, the American Indian, I was I was like sitting in the lobby and just thinking about you know just general portrayals of Native Americans in our, our media. And then I was thinking about just like the multi-tiered levels on the way that The Last Samurai is such a fucked up movie. But then I'm like, oh, but I love The Last Samurai. Like, it's a really fun movie, but it's so fucked up, but it's fun. I just, I don't know how to square it in my brain, but it's, it's, a, it's you know, that's, that's kind of the reverse thing of, man, it's pushing a lot of bad messages to your subconscious but it's also a really fun time. (laughs) I understand exactly what you're talking about because I, that basically you apply that thinking to the entire genre of the classic Western. Yeah. Like watching any classic was like, I was like one thing I did watch this week. I watched the outlaw Josie Wales. It's on Netflix now. And Man, I love that movie, but I felt gross almost every second. During it. <laughs> like it's it's such it's such a good movie, but such like looking at it through an adult perspective, particularly in a times where we're trying to take things like this more seriously, just like every moment of it is just disgusting. Yeah, Christian uh, mentioned I, I read on my vacations. The only time of year I read, I I only finished one book. I'm halfway through another one, but the one I finished, I read exclusively because it's named there there, and I knew it had it least one reference to the radiohead song and that's the whole reason i read it it was fine it's not great it's not bad just okay uh but it does reference the radiohead song so that's all i cared about right on. uh the only other thing I, I i watched a few weeks ago that uh i i still don't i i don't know if i even have the capacity to fully unpack but i watched a famous in america from i don't know if it was late 90s early 2000s uh, anime called Elfin Lead. It's kind of infamous now and not well remembered as as kind of kind of it as trashy. Um, but it is about a like telekinetic girl who's being experimented on who escapes from the the facility she's being exper- experimented on, gets shot on the way out and loses her memory and get, gets picked up by this weird little found family of other kids. Uh, and they kind of have their own little adventures, and then there's a lot of aggressive violence and stuff. And it's fine. It's not great. It's not. It's not terrible. I can see why it was so engaging and popular at the time. But you know, it, it very much operates on the HBO mantra of just sell it with with the nudity and aggressive violence. Uh, <laughs> every episode has to have an, uh, enough of that to like get by. And any you know, like there's some story bits, but make sure you get the gore and the nudity. So all that said, my, my thoughts coming out of it are one, if, if the plot of it didn't sound familiar, this show was a heavy inspiration for, what is it? Is it the Duffer? What is the, what's the name of the people who do Stranger Things? I think it's the Duffer Brothers. Okay, I thought yeah, it was the Duffer Brothers. Duffer Brothers. But it was, a, it was, it's a very heavy inspiration for the character of Eleven, uh, this show, for Stranger Things, which is kind of weird considering how, I don't know, they're very tonally different shows, but, but just plot-wise, they're very similar. Uh, and the other thing that I, I took away from it is even though like 
I, I do. I think it's genuinely like, okay. I, I don't know if, if it's fully worth a watch. I don't know if I would recommend it, but like it's engaging. You want to keep watching it, but like the very like grim, dark aesthetic of these very like young, seemingly fragile girls committing heinous, awful violence. Uh, like I can totally see that this show was a, a defining core factor of a whole hot topic generation. Uh, so like if 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 that's a thing that remotely interests you or if you were one of those people yeah i I think you should watch it uh do we have an idea of what we want to do next week uh we probably should do like news or something we haven't talked about we haven't talked about news and stuff there has been a lot of news and stuff that dune trailer just trailers alone could probably get us yeah yeah Yeah. um i think we're only like two weeks away from suicide squad am i right I think you were correct. Yes. That some, sounds about right. So I think that will probably be the next one. So let's let's plan for news next week and Suicide Squad the week after that. Uh, but thanks for everybody for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if I'm trying to remember what we did, we did Loki. It's been so long. We talked about so many other things. <laughs> uh, if you had any other thoughts on Loki about uh, things that we didn't talk about, what you think or what you want the next season to be, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Uh, actually, if you're listening to this and you can think of any news things that you want us to talk about, send them in. Uh, thanks to Zach Evans for our, Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>